This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. How y'all doing today? I'm Reverend Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I am so glad that you're choosing to join us today. We come together every Sunday for Church Online with people all over the world to do just this, unify our faith, worship our Lord, dive deeper into God's Word to renew our minds so that we can become more and more like Jesus. I pray that you've already been blessed this morning with a worship. It truly is. It is well with my soul. And we can cling to those words today and sing that out loud because the only reason that we can navigate this broken world and do everything that we do each and every day is because of Jesus. So thank you so much for being here today and for joining us. I have a lot to share with you. We're going to dive right in. But before we do, let's open this all up to the Lord. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a faithful father. I thank you for how much you love us. I thank you that your one desire is that we will know you. And so many times, Lord, we use our free will and we choose not to turn to you. We choose to follow the ways of the world. And as we're going through this Lenten season right now, I pray that you will awaken that desire in us that we will realize that we are thirsting for you and you are trying to draw us near to you each day. So Lord, open up our hearts and our ears. Holy Spirit, fall in this place. Fall on each person watching and listening today and speak directly to their hearts. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been discussing that we are in the Lenten season, that we are making our way to the cross, and we've been evaluating areas in our lives where we're thirsting for God. And as I was preparing for today, the Lord made it very clear that there are often times in our lives we're still hanging on to sin. We're still uh, not completely understanding why Jesus came, why we celebrate the cross, why we have the Bible. And even though there are individual stories in here that are ways to understand Jesus, to understand uh, the fathers of faith, to understand God's love for us, there is a bigger story in here that starts in Genesis. And it's how God is restoring us back to himself. Now, with what I want to talk about today, it could be like a five-part series. It's so in-depth. There's so many layers and levels to understand. So I'm not doing that today. Maybe that will be for another day. But I want to look at some basic things today to get you started thinking about this and, and understand why Jesus came. Why do we celebrate Easter? Why do we celebrate the cross? Why did Jesus come into this world to show us how to live? Well, 
I want to look at a couple things. One, I want to look at the Garden of Eden. Two, I want to look at the Garden of Gethsemane. And three, I want all of us to specifically look at our lives and if there are any areas where we're still holding on to sin. Last week, we talked about how we need to be connected to the vine, holding on to the vine, but we can't do that when we're still holding on to the things of this world. And I believe the Lord is going to show us this next part, right? Why he sent Jesus and why it's so important to, to lay down those things that we're still hanging on to so we can grab on to Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start right in Genesis and look at how sin entered the world. So when you look at Genesis 1, you see how you know God created the world and things in it. And then when you look at verse sorry, chapter two, you see that he uh, created Adam and Eve. But at the very tail end of chapter one, verse 26, God says this, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image, in the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God uh, creates them. He gives them the earth. Man and woman to have dominion and rule over it. And he gives us everything. He provides for us. And then when we look at Genesis 2, and we look specifically at 15 through 25, we have this fuller picture of, of what the Lord is, what has given us. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God had commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord had turned Sorry, now the Lord had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and the birds in the sky. And we read that in Genesis 1. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. 
So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, Now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So God put Adam in the garden to take care of it. And he commanded him, you may eat from any tree except from the tree of knowledge of good of evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And he brought Adam all the animals and there was no suitable helper. So God specifically made Eve for Adam and they became one flesh and they were naked and felt no shame. So now that we have that, we need to go into Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman, he said, I will make your pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. 
to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Thanks be to God for these words. So that's a lot of text, but I really needed you to understand because maybe it's been a while since you've been in Genesis, the full context of how we got here from the beginning in the garden. So we need to understand some things to understand who God is and his restoration plan that brought Jesus. So there were two trees in the garden, the tree of knowledge of good of evil and the tree of life. Now maybe you're asking yourself, because I've asked myself that, why would God put forbidden trees in the garden? Why would he put them there and specifically say to them, you can't eat from them? But here's the thing, without free will, which is what God has given us, we would be like machines. We would be like robots. We'd be like artificial intelligence that's just doing what they've been programmed to do. In order to provide a test whereby man could lovingly and freely serve, choose to serve God, and so develop character, the tree had to be there. It couldn't just be the easy button. It couldn't be just, you can do anything you want. No, God in the beginning set up guidelines for man to follow and gave them free will to choose. So as we're reading, well, when did temptation come? And, and where did temptation come from? And the Bible tells us the old serpent called the devil. This is what is brought out in Revelation. If you were to read the whole book in Revelation, John points to this is when Satan entered the world through the serpent. And Satan generally works through agents. And here he's working through the snake. He begins by addressing Eve, who had not heard directly the commandment that God had given Adam before she was even made, right? 
God commanded Adam to stay away from these two trees, to not eat from them. So Adam told Eve, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what does the serpent do? What does Satan do? He waits until Eve is alone. He waits until she's alone and he twists God's words and he shows doubts and suspicion and he puts doubts and suspicion in the heart of Eve and she takes the fruit. How many times have you felt alone and isolated hearing the lies from the enemy and you're filled with doubts and suspicions. It goes all the way back to the beginning. The devil is not creative, but he's consistent. And he has shown us that time and time and time again. And then when she eats the fruit and gives it to her husband, Adam, and he eats, we see the evidence of that sin. Adam and Eve's eyes were opened and they could see that they were naked and they experienced guilt and shame and that made them afraid of God. They hid themselves from God and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons to cover their nakedness and we're still doing this today. How many times do we do something and we then have this guilt that overcomes us? Oh my word, I can't believe I did that. I feel so bad, right? We have this overwhelming feeling of guilt and we knew what we did was wrong and yet we try to cover up the deceit. We do that whether we lie or we make excuses or we then distance ourselves, we unfriend that person, I can't talk to that person again. We not only cover up what we've done, but we hide from God. So many times I've pulled away from God when I have messed up and I've hidden myself from him because I've been so ashamed. And then I twist it around and I get mad at God and go, well, I just, I can't deal with you right now. I'm just, I'm just so angry about the whole situation and everything that happened. And we take it out on God, but it was actually our free will and our choice that caused the situation it had nothing to do with God. And this is exactly what Adam and Eve do in the garden. They discover that they're naked they cover themselves and they hide from God because they know that they've messed up. And then as we continued to read, this is where judgment came. And there was judgment upon the serpent. We read that. There was judgment upon the woman. And there was judgment upon the man. But here's the thing. Redemption was already being spoken out. Redemption was in God's plan for man 
kind from the beginning as we read these words. And maybe that's never jumped off the page to you today, but I want to remind you of that. God said, I will put enmity between the woman and between thy seed, the descendants and her seed. In other words, there will be a struggle between mankind and the evil that caused the fall. But here is the the result of that conflict, that we have victory. Victory for mankind through the seed of the woman. It shall bruise thy head. It shall bruise thy head. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He's saying Jesus will crush the head of the serpent. It shall bruise thy head. Christ, the seed of the woman, came into the world to crush the power of the devil. And if you didn't know that that's what that meant, right away God is speaking that out over what's going to happen. We have this picture of redemption. God is saying this is what's going to happen. And then we we see that God killed an innocent creature in order to clothe Adam and Eve because of sin. Sacrifice. There needs to be a blood sacrifice for sin. And we have read that all through the Old Testament the burnt offerings, the sacrifices that were made for the atonement of sin. So we have a garden. Sin is introduced into the world. Free will was exercised. Temptation came and they chose wrongly. And with it came consequences and judgment. And as we are living through what we see today, right? Painful childbirth, uh, cursed with a ground, weeds and thorns, uh, all of that, right? We could never go back to that original Eden, not here in this earth. Not to the original Eden where everything was perfect and we were walking with God. So, let's switch gears now and turn to Matthew 26. And we're going to go to a different garden. The Garden of Gethsemane. A place whose name literally means oil press. Do you know how you get the oil out? You press down and squeeze it out until you get the good stuff. It is located on the slope of the Mount of Olives, just across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. I had the opportunity to sit in this garden when I was in Israel. 
and it's amazing to see all of the olive trees today to sit in the cool of the day and realize that this is where Jesus came and prayed before he was arrested. And I want to read verses 36 to 46 to give you this picture. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. What started in the garden, in a garden, would end in a garden. Temptation, free will. Yet the difference between Adam and Eve and Jesus is that Jesus stood firm and was obedient to the Father. He did not follow the ways of the flesh. He did not turn away from God. He did not refuse the cup of God's wrath, even though he knew how hard it was going to be. Unlike Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Jesus was obedient. And while the serpent bruised the heel of the seed of the woman, the bruising brought healing to mankind. Jesus fulfilled God's plan. And if you could picture what it's like, if you've ever been in a battle where you're praying, you're dropping beads of sweat and blood because of what's in front of you, you can bet that those, that time in the garden that the enemy, the snake, was there whispering lies to Jesus. You can bet that that's why he was praying so hard. The serpent was there in that garden, though the Bible doesn't tell us. But you can almost imagine him whispering the lies to Jesus. Just say no. You don't need to do this. God will make another way. 
and look who you're willing to sacrifice yourself for. These people that you have been preaching and teaching and healing, they're going to crucify you in just a few hours. Is it worth it? Do you really want to do this? And yet Jesus goes back time and time again and prays to the Father, not my will be done, but yours. Jesus is obedient to God. And because of Jesus, there would be no more need for sacrifice. Jesus died in order to provide an atoning, a covering the blood for the souls of all men. In the Garden of Eden, God sacrificed an animal and covered Adam and Eve with those skins. But now, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus would die a death that would cover all mankind because of the blood of his sacrifice. Jesus defeated sin and death. And because of that, we get to live in the fullness of God's original design. Shalom. That was what was in the garden. Shalom, perfect peace, nothing missing and nothing broken. And because of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we can experience that same shalom today. But to do that, we need to have Jesus in our hearts. We need to be walking out our faith as he did, being obedient to the Father in anything he asks, aligning our lives with his word, walking out what's before us until Jesus comes to take us home. So we've talked about the Garden of Eden. We've talked about the Garden of Gethsemane and how God used Jesus to restore us back to himself. But now I want to talk about what we're holding on to today. What is still causing us to be running around naked, hiding from God. I want you to remember what came to Eve in the garden. It was a serpent, a snake. And the devil has been known as a serpent all this time. I want to read to you an article from Mary Wichell. She's founder and speaker of the Christian Working Woman. This article came out in May, June of 1991. And I want to ask ourselves a question today. As we're looking at the gardens, as we're looking at how sin entered the world, do you have any snakes in your life? Many times we walk into trouble knowing ahead of time that we're making some bad choices, but somehow rationalizing it away or being deceived into ignoring the warning signals we see all around us. 
Let me share a fairy tale with you, which I think teaches some very important lessons. A girl was walking through the woods one day when she almost snapped, stepped on a snake. She pulled back in horror, but to her amazement, the snake cried out to her, Oh, I'm so glad you came along. I'm so cold and need a friend. Will you please pick me up and put me under your coat? In fear, the girl replied, Oh no, you're a rattlesnake and you will bite me. I can't pick you up. No, the snake answered, I promise I won't bite you. I, I really want to be your friend. And after all, am I not a creature of God? Just like you? I'm so cold. Please pick me up. She began to feel sorry for the snake. She noticed its grateful lines and movement, and gradually it began to look harmless to her. She thought, well, he's right. After all, God created him, and just because most rattlesnakes bite doesn't mean this one will. Seems like a very nice snake to me. So she said, yes, I will be your friend. And she picked up the snake and put it under her warm coat. Immediately, the snake bit her, and the pain and poison flooded her body. She cried out in pain, Why did you do that? Why did you bite me? You said you wanted to be my friend. As the snake wiggled away from her, it turned and a smirk and said, Hey, you knew what I was when you picked me up. When you think of our fairy tale, the first mistake she made was to talk to that snake, right? When you see a rattlesnake, there's really no need for a discussion. You know their nature. You know it's not going to change. So you run away as fast as you can. Jesus said, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your foot offends you, get rid of it. It's better to be minus a foot or a hand or an eye than to be caught in sin and led into wrong paths. When you see a rattlesnake, remind yourself that there is no safe territory. When you find yourself thinking, I can handle this, or I'll just go so far and no further, then you know you're talking to that rattlesnake. Don't even stop to talk. As soon as you see it, run. The second mistake our friend in the fairy tale made was to listen to the lies of the snake. His lies sounded reasonable to her. He even used God in there somewhere to deceive her into thinking he was harmless, just like the snake did to Eve. Remember, when you walk into the enemy's territory, you are inviting deception because Satan is the father of lies and he's very good at it. He mixes the lies with enough truth to stump you. Her next mistake was to ignore the laws and principles about rattlesnakes. When you play in their territory, when you put yourself in place where you know rattlesnakes live, you're going to get bitten because that's the nature of rattlesnakes and it won't change even for you. Nobody breaks God's principles and gets by with it. No one can live in opposition to God's moral laws and his precepts and escape the consequences. 
Have you picked up any rattlesnakes lately? There are all kinds around us. Perhaps it's a wrong relationship or a matter of honesty. Maybe it's some occult stuff or pornography or unedifying music. Think you can handle that snake without being bitten? Maybe some of those rattlesnakes don't bite as quickly as others, but don't be deceived. Sooner or later, the poison will enter your mind and body and you'll know you've been bitten. As Christians in a world full of rattlesnakes, we can avoid them by staying on the straight and narrow road, looking for and taking the escape routes, which are provided when we do encounter a temptation, running fast away at the first hint that we're in rattlesnake country. Our testimony for Jesus Christ is at stake. Our ability to be used by God for eternal purposes is threatened. As one who wasted 10 years in rattlesnake country, take my advice. Stay away from rattlesnakes. So many parallels in this story by Mary Wachell parallel the Garden of Eden, parallel the Garden of Gethsemane, and yet Jesus overcame. Jesus did what Adam and Eve did not. They, he was obedient to God. He listened to God. He was faithful to God. And when we have Jesus in our lives, we can overcome and stand up against the same temptations. But we need to listen. We need to be obedient. We need to follow him. As we make our way through Lent to celebrate what Jesus did on the cross, it's so important to understand why he came. Why do we celebrate what Jesus did for us? Why do we celebrate Resurrection Sunday? It all points back to Genesis when two people who were gifted free will in a garden, a beautiful garden of Shalom, used that free will to choose wrongly. And because of that, we see the consequences that we do today in the world. But God, God sent his one and only son to demolish the works of the enemy, to demolish the works of Satan so that we could have free life, free will, yet we could have forgiveness of sins and everlasting life and live in the fullness of that freedom. Jesus came to restore us back to God. He came to turn our graves and our death sentence into gardens full of life and promise so that we could experience forgiveness of sins But we need to remember and believe that salvation is a gift. Yes, we have been given free will. So the question for for us today is, what will we choose? What will we choose? Are we going to keep choosing the snake? Are we going to keep following the flesh, or are we going to choose Jesus?
he's standing in front of all of us today with these simple words. Follow me. With the invitation for us to do that. What will we choose? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, it's so clear when we dive deeper into your word, when we unpack the Bible as a whole, when we see the restoration story that began in one garden and ended in another, what you've done for us, the sacrifice that you made for us by sending your one and only son, the sacrifice that Jesus made by being obedient to you and dying on a cross so that we would not have to face the cup of wrath that was meant for each one of us. Yet Jesus drank the cup for us and died the death that we deserved because that's how much you love us. And Lord, I want to thank you today for the gift of salvation. And no, I have not always truly appreciated it. My old life, I did what I wanted without any disregard, thinking that, yeah, I know who Jesus is. I've still got my salvation, yet I did not live it out. I did not appreciate it. I did not truly know what it's like to follow you. And Lord, if there are people today listening and watching that maybe don't know you, that maybe have just put the gift aside, that are following the ways of the flesh, Lord, we recommit our lives to you today. We believe that you are the Son of God sent into this world to walk and be a light, to show us that we can walk in this world when we are obedient to the Father. You died the death we deserved, rose again and ascended into heaven where you are seated now, where you are working on our behalf. You sent us the Holy Spirit that we can have as our helper to listen to you, to have the same power in us that raised you from the dead. May we understand the fullness of the gift of salvation by receiving it today, receiving you into our hearts. Forgive us for our sins. Help us to turn away from the world and turn to follow you. Help us to put down the snakes that we are still carrying and to grab onto the vine where you are giving us life and strength and provision and all of your promises. Help us to fully understand who you are and walk that out each day. We love you and praise you and thank you and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today, for following along, for being a part of the For His Glory Ministry community. We are so grateful that you're here, and we pray that today was a blessing. We love you, and we wish you well, and until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, be blessed.